Hey everybody, it's another episode of Dog Training with Patrick. Just want to let you know that this next one is a um, orientation night for dog training class. It's going to be uh, the next five weeks we'll be with the dog. Tonight was without the dog, although someone did show up with the dog, which is okay as well. Um, we had good, we had a good, good experience, good talk, and um, no Q and A this time. People didn't really have any questions. They waited till after I turned the microphone off and um, was getting ready to leave for all the questions to be asked. So, but anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, if you ever have any questions or something that you want to talk about on podcast, please hit me up uh, at um, on Facebook at Patrick Furlan Dog Training. And we can work something out. So, all right. Well, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, take care of yourself. It is Wednesday. And keep looking forward to that weekend. It's almost here. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, we'll go ahead and get started. It's only, I think, only three people tonight, which is okay. More than a little, little less, a little better. Um, so I'll just kind of go through. So, um, is, is, is the person who has Annie here? Yep, that's us. And uh, how old is she? 12, 12 weeks. 12 weeks? Yep. Any problems you're having? <laughs> what are you hoping to get out of class? Um, well, potty training. Okay. She still has some accidents here and there. Okay. She's getting better. Uh, biting, chewing. Biting, chewing. Sure you don't have our dog? <laughs> 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 yeah, she has an aggressive voice. Definitely, definitely. Definitely. Probably. Yeah. You said nine yeah. weeks old. 15-pound terrorist. Well, 12 weeks. Okay. Yeah, we have ours, ours is nine. <laughs> okay. Nice. I'm looking to get some uh, some of the biting, just really get the dog to focus. Yes. Okay. That we can do. Uh, potty training, if you want, I can give you my email, and uh, I can shoot you a little step by step on how to get that better under control for you. Okay. Um, it'll it'll be under for utilized for crate training. Um, but I can shoot you uh, the form that kind of kind of shows you how strict to be and what to do about certain things um, when it comes to potty training. Okay. So, um, who's got? Uh, is it Cody? No, Cody not here tonight. Cody. Okay. How about Riley? Yeah, that's us. Riley, golden retriever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, young. Ten. Not, ten weeks now. Almost eleven. Okay. Almost eleven. Having a lot of the same issues, biting, real interested, uh, yeah. holding things in the mouth, mouths on everything, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. and you can tell when she starts getting tired, she gets pretty aggressive. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, they when they get tired, it's like it's like a kid. They want to stay awake, you know. They don't want yeah. yeah. they don't want to yeah. miss yeah. nothing. Yeah. The best time when they're tired, what what I've learned is that you give them something to chew on, um, so something hard. Instead of like a plush, don't let them, you know, when they get them, get them focused in on like a rawhide or something. Um, I think when you redirect with those those guys, it becomes a lot easier, um, and they get very fixated um, to where you can have a break. <laughs> or if they're okay with the crate, you can always utilize the crate. You can put a put a hard chew in there, not something that they could tear apart, but like a like a femur bone or something that you can buy that has a little stuff inside. That you can actually let them chew on while they're in there to keep their mind active, so kind of until they fall asleep. But usually those puppies are like, 
zero to 102 seconds and then they flop over dead as a fish and for like a half hour and you're like okay do we sleep or not sleep <laughs> for that time um anyone else have a, a, a another dog um is this it tonight that's it. that's it okay great um so my name's patrick i'll be the i'll be the trainer um uh, for the next uh five weeks and then this one this week as well but this one's kind of just to kind of tell you my story and and where i've come from um, and you know, kind of the philosophy that we'll be using through the training class. Uh, so, for me, I, I started doing this about uh, a little over ten and a half years ago. Um, I had a dog named Snickers. Um, I got him straight out of high, straight out of college. Actually, I moved out. The dog I wanted was a German Shepherd, uh, so I went and got him. And um, I had a had a. Uh, had to convince the landlord that a, a big dog was okay, <laughs> even though he ended up tearing the floorboard out of the, of, of the back room, had some rotten in there, and he exposed it. Uh, but that whole first year when I when I got him, I, all I wanted to do was was make it work. Like I, I I saw a canine cop, and I was like, man, I I really want this this dog to be the best dog in the world, and I, I really want to have a bond with an animal. Um, I always felt like. I could trust the dog more than I could trust people. I didn't feel like the dog really wanted anything out of me other than um, food, water, that kind of thing. And in return, I would get unconditional type love, something that maybe I felt like I was missing or I never lived up to growing up. So I, I get this guy, and for the first year, everything seems okay. Um, he's, we're playing, we're you know wrestling around, and the dog's got all this energy. And finally, get potty training under control after two weeks, you know, two or three weeks. Uh, going to the bathroom everywhere and after about a year he changed he became um, what I felt was a sudden very aggressive and when he became super aggressive um, by by saying or not by saying but but by uh, being aggressive with his toys being very territorial with the house not letting anybody in the home um, holding me hostage in a way uh, so one of the big things for me was when I when I came into the kitchen one night to get something to drink, he was in there eating his food. Um, little announced to me, I didn't realize he was aggressive with his food yet because I always fed him and then went to bed. He was in the middle of eating when I came in, so I came in there and I uh, I opened the fridge and the first thing that I realized when I opened the fridge, he decided to attack me. And so all I heard was a growl and then he charged me uh, with. Uh, with food in his mouth going all over the place. I threw the trash can at him, and then after that, our, our lives pretty much changed. I realized I had a real problem. Um, the other times I was bit were my foot moved too close while he was chewing his bone. My, you know, I, I tried to take him outside, and all he did was try and go after other people or other things, or his, his prey drive was just through the roof. Um, so I realized I had a problem. If I ever wanted to start a family and have him around a child, uh, other than me, you know, it was just me, I'd be all right. I'd be like, I'll just deal with the aggression, and you know, he's just a certain way. I'll just let him be this certain way, and that kind of thing, and we'll move on. But I, I was so young in my life. I think I was like 23 when I first got him. So one thing, one one thing I needed to do was uh, figure out why. I had to get this whole thing under control, and um, it became to a point where I, I, I kept making mistake after mistake. And so I ended up, I ended up going into uh, a dog training school. Didn't really learn a whole lot. 
Uh, I learned how to do basic obedience, so by the end of the school and me learning everything, I could have my dog sit and stay at distance and lie down at distance and all that kind of stuff, and he walked great right with me on the leash. Um, but I never really fully understood where he was coming from still. He was still aggressive and possessive with toys. All the little tricks and everything that they told you to do in school really didn't work very well. Um, potty training, to, you know, they did the crate training. That thing worked well. But the small little things worked okay. But when it came to actually actual behavior in the dog and trying to figure out why he did certain things the way he did and, and why, why he was still aggressive, why our, our relationship wasn't changing, he would still do things for me, but at the end of the day, he, it was just a it was just a common mistake in um, in language. At the end of the day, it was just common just communication barrier, communication barrier. So I just started doing a lot of reading. Every book I could find on the subject, I did a lot of reading, did a lot of practice. So he ended up being the skinny pig <laughs> that I have. Um, that he got every little different thing was tried on him, um, and at the at the time, very confusing, uh, not. Not, 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 a good, not a good experience um, with everything being confusing uh, for him. For me, it was just like every method was very contradicting to the other method. It seemed like whatever method I, could, uh, I would try, it didn't really give me the results I wanted, or nor did I believe in it as much. And so for me, what I figured out was any method you choose to do works. If you want to be dominating, it works. If you want to be friendly and loose, it works. If you want to be uh, anything other than uh, just completely, um, what do you call it, removed, works. So if you, if you want the dog to stay the way they are, just completely remove yourself altogether. If you want the dog to change, then being consistent in the abilities that you have to change the dog, and as long as you're consistent, whatever that consistency may look like, you hit the dog, you hit the dog. If you, uh, if you decide to do nothing but positive reinforcement, use positive reinforcement. Well, what, whoever you are as a person, as long as it is consistent, it ends up working well for the dog. I'm not saying it's the best way, especially if you're dominating or, or, or that is the best way. I'm not saying it's a long-lasting relationship. It's not, like, it's not like it's through the ages of human history that we decided that you know, being aggressive and dominating other people was necessarily the best way to go finding out now that it's more about camaraderie and trying to find a common balance and, con and uh, common, common things that we agree in and everything else. So it's very important for me when I, do my, when I was learning with Snickers was that I had to figure a way that made sense to me. And one of the ways that made sense to me was figuring out where he was coming from. And once I figured out where he was coming from, how I could actually change him. And the big, big thing for me was I found out he was coming straight out of fear. And one of the ways that I found out he was coming straight out of fear was the first time I took him to a dog park, he hid under the bench. Did not come out. Here's this 90-pound shepherd being bullied behind a, behind a bench by a chihuahua, you know, and, he can't, and he's sitting there just like looking at me, looking for help. And, and in those moments, for me, it was the, when he actually looked for help, I didn't, re I didn't register it at the time. See, dogs, dogs look to you for help no matter what you're, no matter how old, where they are, who, you know, they, they will look to us over, they will, over their own kind. They will never look to another dog before they look to you. They will never do any of those kinds of things. So whenever he would look at me, I never took the role as, I got you. I can protect you. I can show you how to survive in this, in this environment. I can help you. I can do whatever you need me to do for you. Uh, 
but I never, I never realized that at the time. And that was as the years went on, as I started to train and I started to meet with people and everything, one thing I realized and more that I read and more that I got better was that every dog will look to you for help. So whatever it is that you are struggling with, whether it's walking, getting the dog to sit, whether it is under, you know, having problems with aggression, usually aggression is a stem from fear. Uh, at some point in their life, they've had some fear and they learned that aggression works. And it's no, no different from if somebody comes over and you got this new dog and it's been like three weeks and say you, bought, you got a two-year-old from the shelter and you're not sure how this dog's gonna react to you, but all of a sudden, you know, somebody comes over, they sniff that person and then they growl and you're like, oh, let me bring this dog back and put him somewhere else so th the other people can come in and we can actually have a, have a, uh, have a good experience together. What happens is that, that dog learns that his insecurity won. And so the insecurity of the dog learns that I can, if I can growl or I can do this or I can behave this way, I, I will be removed from the situation and in return, whatever it was, they got away. It, it, it separated them from it. Same thing with growling, that's why, that's why biting sometimes happens if the dog decides to bite and go after somebody. They bite, whatever that person was doing stops or they move or they go away or the dog gets removed from the situation. Either way, the, the dog learns that, hey, my method worked. I no longer have to be afraid. Um, so that's where aggression and, and, fight and biting really kind of come into play. Aggression can also be extend from a lot of different things, maybe hunger, um, thirst, need water, basic, basic things in the environment that they need to protect if it's very limited. Um, so those, those types of things is kind of like where aggression would come from. For me, I, I noticed a lot of I noticed a lot overworking over the years where I had uh, where dogs will often <laughs> what's her what's her what's his name Cody Cody see a happy guy yeah <laughs> he's just like it's it's okay we got uh, we got another golden retriever that's going to be in class too <laughs> about the same age I think those are you're no, a lot, lot smaller oh, okay maybe not the same age. But anyway, some of the things, some of the things that we'll be learning in class uh, will be how to ultimately mark behaviors. When you mark a behavior, you immediately, the dog gives you something. If you like it, you tell the dog that you love it. And you give them some kind of, some kind of reward that comes into play. For me, disciplining, disciplining the dog goes counter, counterintuitive with actual rewarding the dog for the behavior that they give. So if you want the behavior to get better, you want to shape it to make it better, discipline does come into a play. Discipline doesn't mean that you have to swat the dog or take the newspaper to the dog or anything like that. Discipline, it can be easy, it's just as social pressure. And so when we actually talk about pressure and positive reinforcement of the dog, when I mark a behavior with the dog, it's very simple. Dog sits for me, I say yes, treat, in that order. So as soon as butt hits the ground, the action resulted in a reward. I do that about 15 times. The dog is going to sit there. I offer the dog a treat, not give it to him, let him sniff. What he's going to end up doing is he's going to put his butt on the ground. He's going to offer me something because that is in his mind to offer. This is no different from a dog learns to be nervous or scared around things. He offers that behavior because it worked in the past. He got away from it. Something changed in him and he decided that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get away. So dogs learn and Four different, or four different responses that they'll give you. There's variations of each. And working in those variations is how you truly change behavior of your dog. 
one way is, uh, one thing is, is that they'll just accept what's happening with them. If they just accept what is happening, you're, you're golden. You don't have to really worry about anything. They're just kind of like a happy-go-lucky dog. They're gonna, you're going to say, hey, come here. And your dog's, oh, yeah, I got you. I'm going to come over. The other is they're going to avoid. They're going to be slightly nervous. You know, they'll come in. They'll, they'll, they'll have their arch backed a little bit. They'll be a little bit unsure. The other one is they'll, they'll, they'll fight. Obviously, they're, they're in a high, heightened sense of uh, what, whatever that they're going to respond to. They could fight or they can try and flight. Obviously, we're going to be blocking the flight response when we're going to be on a leash. So that leaves them three other responses that they can do. Sometimes it is fight. That's, that's sometimes where leash aggression does come from. When their response to be able to flight leaves them, all of a sudden they become leash aggressive. It's because they, can't, they don't have anywhere to go. The next thing is, is they're going to learn, they're going to try something different. If one thing gets shut down, they try something different. So if you have a dog that ends up becoming aggressive and you shut down flight and aggression, the next step up is avoidance or just relaxing. And so they'll always constantly, those four basic responses is something that they will transition through their entire life. Obviously, the ones that we don't ever want to see are the, are the avoidance or the, or the aggression. They, flight usually gets blocked. That, that one for them usually gets taken away. Um, but it is a natural response. It's a natural response of what we do. So for, for us, marking the behaviors of, of what we want to see. If we want to see the dog not chase the squirrel, and we can, we can block the dog from chasing the squirrel because they're on a leash, so we can block them from running. As soon as they stop blocking, or as soon as they stop trying to run and chase the squirrel, and they finally give us some eye contact or some attention, we mark that behavior. We say, in this moment, you gave us attention, so therefore, I'm going to mark that behavior and reward you. So one of the big things about dog behavior is it's, it's in those two seconds that you have time to change different behavior. So if you have a behavior that you don't like and you all of a sudden got thrown into it, whether or not it's a, a loose dog on your walk, whether it's a, a bird that you didn't see coming, a squirrel you didn't see coming, and you get in those moments where you can't set the, you can't set the environment up for you to succeed or, or to challenge the dog properly, where you can slowly work your way up and get close to whatever it is that they're, they're upset about or showing a huff, you want to be able to easily um, stop the dog. So stopping the dog doesn't mean you have to jerk on the leash or anything else. Stopping the dog just means sometimes riding the wave out. When you ride the wave out, the dog will eventually choose something different and be like, hey man, why aren't we moving forward? And the dog looks at you and you're like, we're not moving forward because you're not, uh, you're not looking at me. And once the dog looks at you, you can mark that behavior and the dog starts to learn and says, oh, okay, so we start to move forward, we start to do things when I give attention. And really, that's what it's all about. When you, when you have a dog and you're trying to bond with that dog, it's all about attention. So, so with Snickers, over the years, that's what I did. I learned to get trust through, with him due to the fact that I wasn't, I wasn't worried about riding the wave anymore. I would let him learn all the, I would let him do his thing. I would let him blow up. One of the ways that I let him learn or got him to be okay around other dogs was I adopted a new dog. And then I started to foster dogs over and over and over again. So he got to relive the same experience over and over again until he finally started to relax when we brought another dog home. The first dog I ever brought home was another dog that I decided to adopt. Her name was Lucy. She was another German Shepherd. She didn't react to a dog. So a dog could bark at her and everything else and she would not react. She, would, she was probably the best dog I've ever had socially. Uh, she would sit there and why another dog would growl at her and just sit there. 
<laughs> if she got bit, she would attack back, but she would never she would never react in that same way. When she passed, I had I had clients of mine call and say she was she was the only dog their dog was ever allowed to be around because their dogs were reactive, and so if their if their dog reacted and the other dog didn't react, they didn't know what to do, so they changed the behavior. And it was in those moments that you have to mark the behavior when you see the behavior change. Once the behavior changes, you mark it. You reward it, so that way now the dog's being related to this experience of having something good and the dog doing something that you want them to do. I, I truly believe that uh, Lucy, the one that I adopted, really changed the way that I, I felt about training because I got to see how patient she was when I went to go work with other dogs. So when I worked with puppies, especially little ones, they they would jump all over her, bite on her, everything else, and she would only correct when absolutely necessary. And so for her, it was like I got to see this, this nurturing spirit. And then I really started, I really got interested in finding out what dogs actually do when they're in the litter with their mom. And that was where I started to really learn about discipline because the mom does it right. If the puppy comes over and bites too hard, they, she nips them and growls at them. So she immediately goes in with full pressure and immediately tells the dog it's okay. So she goes in, she, she gets bit too hard, she growls, snaps at them, they yelp, she licks them and tells them it's okay, she gives them enough confidence to come try again. That in a nutshell is exactly what we'll be doing day in and day out when we go through training. It is very important that we get the dog to an understanding of what we are teaching them, whether or not to sit, we'll lure them into the sit, we'll keep them going reward, marking the behavior each time, and then as soon as we start asking for more, that's when we'll add discipline in. Once the dog has a complete understanding of what we're asking, then we can add discipline in. Once we add discipline in, it says, ah, nope, that's not what we're looking for. We lean into the dog, they sit back down, they finally learn what no means, then we can start adding on to it. We can start chaining behaviors together. So we'll have a word that we mark behaviors with, we'll have one that we reinforce behaviors with, and then we'll also have one that says that we disapprove with the behavior. And a lot of times the behavior that we disapprove of, it can be a sound, it can be, uh, it can be a, just a firm no, but the, behavior, but the sounds have to change. The, the level of the sound has to be changed. One has to be more sharp than others. Um, and the one that is good, make sure you feel good about it. So if your dog does what you want them to do, make sure you absolutely feel fantastic. Because that plays in tune with the whole bonding experience. If you got a dog to bond with it and want it to be a best friend, then it's very important that you, you feel good when the dog does certain behaviors. And I know that's a lot of unconscious behavior that we'll have, but if you're sitting here working really hard and the dog just will not lay down, and then all of a sudden the dog gives it to you, you're like, ah, he did it. <laughs> you, know, you reward that, but the chemicals in the brain are also being released. And that's where the dog, from, from, from my experience, really starts to learn more because they get to understand what those chemicals are they're mammals just as we are. They have the same chemicals, the same feel-good stuff that comes from their brain, comes from our brain. The serotonin, the oxytocin that gets released when we're bonding and when we're actually feeling good and being in that experience and being in that environment with the dog of the same situation of them laying down. It all, it all matters. It all matters. And if you disapprove, it's okay to be very firm and, and move forward. They can understand the body language. They can know when something was changed, something changed up, something wasn't the same. So when you actually discipline, for me, you, you're going to tell the dog no if the dog's pulling on the leash. So, so if you have a dog and 
we are, we're going to go ahead and have them uh, walking and, and sitting and staying. So when we actually have a dog in a stay, or we're, we're waiting, and the dog decides to take off running to go say hello to another dog, and they're in the leash, you want to be able to tell them no before the tension gets tight on the lead. So if you tell them no after the tension gets tight on the lead, the dog will never register it. It'll never, the dog will never register what no means. No is a precursor to tension. Whether it's, whether it's physical, whether it is just pressure, whatever you want to call it, but it's a precursor to, to, to say, hey, I'm being fair to you, stop, stop moving. And so when you're able to do those kinds of things, when you're able to tell the dog no, and then the dog goes and jerks on the leash and comes back to you <laughs> from, being, from, from yelping, then that's because that becomes the experience of the dog. So the dog hears the word no, they should stop and look at you or stop and wait. And as soon as they stop and look at you, if you told them no, and they chose something different, that's where you'll, that's where you'll tell them good job for doing something different, for offering you something different. You want to make sure that you discipline and reward in the same breath. And so if you ask the dog to sit and they understand what sit means, they, you say sit, good. Dogs, you say stay, and the dog starts to get up, you're like, ah, nope. And the dog puts his butt back on the ground, good job. Immediately in the same breath. Like I said, your dog training and, and dog behavior, the moments of changing behavior and, and encouraging behavior are done in two to three second intervals all the way through the dog's life. And so when you're teaching them a new habit or teaching them when they come home and all this different stuff, they have to, they have, to have an understanding that, hey, at those moments, you're teaching exactly what you want, when you want it, how you want it, and those, those, little, those little intervals of, of training. Just like uh, anyone heard of Pavlov's method, because that's really what we'll be using. Uh, it's just like they, when they, when they decided to um, see this method worked, it was more about reactionary of a dog or reactionary of animals. And dogs are very reactionary. We're more cognitive. We have a better understanding. We can think things through. Very much more problem solvers. We're adapted. They're very adaptive. Obviously, they can come in and live in a home, learn to read us. Uh, uh, know what to, how to get us to do certain things, read our body language, understand our language, everything else. Uh, but, but one thing that we always seem to miss is how to make them understand, how to, how to understand theirs. So we expect them to adapt to us, but sometimes in a way we don't really adapt to them. And so what, what thing Pavlov's method said was, as soon as, as soon as the dog, as soon as they, there would be a beep and the food would drop. After, after about 30, 40 times of this, this food being dropped after the beep, as soon as the dogs would hear the beep, they would start to salivate. Once, the, once, 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 they, once they figured that out, they said, aha, uh -huh. so they're expecting something when they hear the beep. But when they actually did the beep with the food dropping at the same time, the dog never registered it. So it's very important if the dog never registered that the beep meant anything when the food dropped at the same time with the dog. So it's very important when you mark a behavior, you mark it first, then your reward second. When you discipline, it's very important that you, you mark it with a no. And then after that, the dog either creates the tension on its own or you can create some of the tension for yourself, for the dog. So it's very important that, the, that, that those reactionary moments, the dog is learning those lessons that you want to teach it, whether or not it be boundaries in the home, whether or not it's, whether or not it's just teaching them to do something different. For me, it's never been about working with a dog to, to be the best obedient dog next to me that'll sit when I ask it to and lie down when I ask it to. For me, those things are all good and dandy, but what I really reward for and discipline for is a dog to be actually relaxed with me. 
So if I can teach a dog to just kind of accept what's happening and be okay with it and move through its life, if I say, hey, lay down, and the dog sends me this lackadaisical lay down and finally like stretches itself all the way out and puts its body on the ground but then relaxes all the way when it goes on the ground, I mark that behavior because that's what I want to see. Because if I decide to take my dog to the, to the patio for dinner and I want the dog to lay there outside, I want them to be relaxed. Because as long as the dog is relaxed, they're accepting everything that is going on around them and they don't have to worry, you don't have to worry about the dog getting up and being interested in something else or anything like that. What you're gonna see is the dog actually lay its head down and go to sleep. So it's very important that, do I like a dog that's obedient? Yes. But do I, do I reward more for obedience or do I reward more for behavior? And the truth is I reward more for behavior. I'd rather see the dog sit and kind of yawn and kind of be like, oh, that's okay, rather than sit and be like this staring at you like, what's next? What's next? What are you gonna do next? Now there's some dogs that need that. Some dogs absolutely need that structure, but I make sure I get this, the right dog for my home. And so, and what fits my lifestyle? And some dogs are like, man, if you don't give me a job, I'm gonna, as soon as, I, as soon as you stop doing what you're doing with me, I'm gonna go chew on this, I'm gonna go chew on that, I'm gonna go grab the ball out of there, throw it on your lap, everything else. Not to sit there and say that you can't continue to reward for behavior, but some dogs just need different things because of the level of energy that they have. And so it's very important that when you, when you go look for a dog, that you understand what you're looking for and what fits your lifestyle the best. For me, I just adopted a new dog. Her name's Lily. She's great. She's everything that I thought she would be. Um, and I do, I reward that for behavior. So the other night I was working, she was, has her bed behind me. She gets up and lays on the bed. I reward it, I mark it, stays there. I continue to work on the computer for the next two hours. She stays on her bed. I constantly go back and, re and reinforce the behavior with food. And she stayed there for the entire two hours. I didn't have to really worry about her, nothing. As soon as I get up and leave, I say, okay, let's go. And she gets up and she goes. And this is only after two days of having her. So it's, it's like, so when you start to reward every, every aspect of the dog's life from the moment they walk into the house to the moment you go to bed at night, they, they start to go, this is the new routine. And you have that set structure of two weeks. I always say it's like the two week rule. When you bring a dog home into your home, the sister says, teach your dog exactly what you want it to do then. Because if you wait the two weeks, they are learning everything about you. They're learning everything, uh, how to get what they need. They're gonna try different things. And if it works, they're gonna use it and exploit it. But if you go in with a, with a, with a I guess a vision of how you want your dog to be, and you reward and mark those certain behaviors and you're very conscious of when they give you those, then you're gonna have a dog that you absolutely bond with quickly. Because for me, every time, every time that she did something wrong, I, was, I, I, I had a leash left on her. I decided to let her kind of roam free of the house. If she went somewhere, I would step on the leash and say, oh, I'm not going that way, or I'd say no. And then I'd step on the leash, she'd stop and look at me. As soon as she stopped and looked at me, after I stepped on the leash, she would stop and continue to go a little bit. But after she stopped and she looked at me, it's like, good job. And then she would come back over to me and I would, I would reward her. And so she's learning that being around me is a good thing. There's no tension around me. There's tension ar around other things, but I never get related to the tension on the leash or anything else. So if I decide that I'm leaving the room and I tell her, let's go, and she doesn't, and she doesn't get up, I have her on the leash, so I just go ahead and grab the leash. And as soon as I grab the leash, she just gets up and goes with me. So she's learning that when I, when I, when I communicate directly to her, she's learning to associate those sounds, whether or not those, they're commands, you can call them whatever you like, but I'm just lackadaisical, like, let's go. And then I just take her and I go. So I always give her the command first, followed by 
there is no other option. We are going. It is not going to be. It is not going to. It's not going to be set in there where we're like, I'm. I'm asking you if you want to do it. No, I'm. I'm telling you this is what we're going to do, and we're going to go do it. And so the dog. The dog begins to understand. Well, if he says to come inside, it's time to come inside. If they decide to do. If he decides that we're. I'm going to lay here. I'm going to ultimately end up laying there. It's not going to be a bad experience because I'm going to get food. But at the end of the day, I'm going to. I'm going to have the experience of having the dog, giving that dog that specific job of being my companion and him, him or her doing exactly what I need her to do and me feel good about it. So if I can get sit there and, and reward the dog, the dog's getting something from me in return for the service and I'm getting something in return as well. I'm able to work, I'm able to be in the presence of the dog, I'm able to pet the dog, love the dog, have that experience and then um, and the, and the same time the dog is getting rewarded with food uh, little does the dog know is that I cut the ration of food because of the other because they because when I cut the ration of food I disperse that food throughout the day so it stays in my my food bag that I just hook onto my pants and then throughout the day I if I give her if I give her three cups for a total day one cups in my pouch and she only got one for breakfast one for dinner so that way she's always a little bit hungry and she's always in the mood to try and work so what I end up, end up actually doing is I end up transitioning to one meal a day. So her big meal will be at the end of the night, and she's had a little bit of food throughout the day, so by the time the end of the night comes, she feels like she's really poured it on and had a good day. Now that, and, and, and in response to all that as well, is I, I'm very, very in tune of making sure I give the dog what they need. So if they need exercise and make sure I give it. If it's walking, the, the foster parents that had my dog that I have now said that leash walking was one of the hardest things that they, they just couldn't get under control. And I was able to get it under control in less than, less than a day. Uh, it wasn't even a day, it was probably two or three, two walks maybe. That was probably like 30, 30, 45 minutes and she was walking great on the leash. And so it's very important that, like I said, you're, you're able to get that structure, reward it in the right times, discipline it in the right times, and make sure that you have a clear understanding of what vision you want for that dog. What, what does that friendship look like to you? And also being fair to the energy level of the dog. So like Snickers, he had high drive, high energy through most of his life. He wasn't, he wasn't until he was nine, 10 o'clock, nine, 10 years old that he finally settled down. Nine years old, you can get away with not, get away with not walking him once or twice a week. But that was three miles a day, every single day, backpack on with his bottle of water in it, him carrying his portable water bowl with it every day, three miles a day. Didn't matter if it was heat index, didn't matter, nothing. Heat index, we just, we just waited till eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night to go out and do the three mile walk. Got his water halfway through, that was his job, he carried his own water and um, that was what he needed. If he didn't get that, we rollerbladed. If we, you know, it was, it was always something, but I made sure that I took care of that portion of him because he needed it, he didn't have. He wasn't a canine. He wasn't. He wasn't in search and rescue. He didn't do that nine hours a day. So for me to get the get the energy level down for him to where he was able to be conscious of what I was trying to teach him at home for his mental part of his exercise, it needed to happen where I was able to drain him, so he would actually listen instead of go, oh yeah yeah, yeah. I got you. I'm going to do this behavior. I'm going to do that. But if I had somebody come over from being aggressive or trying to charge the, it was just like I would be tugging on the leash till, till I was blue in the face. But if he didn't have the energy level, he would settle much sooner and I would be able to mark the behavior to where he would relax. 
And so it would, he would, he, someone would come over and be like, ah, nope. And he would stop and he actually look at me. As soon as that one second look that I got, I would mark it. And I would have hot dog or something tasty. And so it leads me to you guys. When you guys actually bring your dogs uh, in next week, you're already here. <laughs> so, um, that's okay. Um, but when you actually bring your dogs next week, you know, make sure that you have something to carry your treats in. But make sure that you understand that, that the environment that the dog is going to be in is going to be very heightened. Okay? So there's going to be a lot of distractions initially. Eventually, the dogs will be able to work pretty well together throughout the entire class. But the very first class, they, they're going to be very much jumping around, wanting to see everything, you know, uh, investigate the environment, which is completely natural. They're gonna, you know, they want to, they want to get every sniff down. They want to make sure that they can get, uh, they want to, they want to go see everybody, all that good stuff. It's very natural. So for you to have a kind of treat or some kind of food that will break their concentration on that. So like I said, so make sure they come in hungry. Make sure that you have something that's more of a higher value treat than than their just regular kibble, something that they really zero in on. Sometimes it's a hot dog, sometimes it's pieces of chicken, whatever it is. I would say I would say higher level uh, higher level potency when you're out of the home. In the home, for me, uh, working with my new dog, what I use in the home is kibble. When I go outside of the home, I use hot dog because it is, because because it changes. What's the motivation? Outside squirrels and rabbits. You got to challenge that. So if you want to, unless you're just going to wait, and as soon as she, as soon as she stops going after the squirrel, she go, you, you see her come back, to, she'll come back to me, and she'll walk right by me and go the other way. <laughs> so it's like, if you don't have anything of value when you're outside, you got to gain that trust. you got to gain that value to say, hey, I am still valuable out here as much as I am inside. But outside, it's like everything's going a million miles a minute. And then one of the big things is, is that, that they're, they're following whatever their nose tells them to follow. As soon as they find something and they zero in on it with their nose, then they become visual on it. Once they become visual on it, they're already listening to it. So it becomes, uh, you become non-existent at that moment because they are whatever their nose is going after. And that's why we, we have the dogs that we call runners, things like that, because there's not, their, their, value, their high value treat and reward is to chase. That is, a, that is their reward. So you have to become more valuable than that reward to counteract it. So eventually the dog will learn that, hey, I can't go after these kinds of things, but, if I, but even though I can't go after these kinds of things, I still get to, I still get to mimic the response of when, when someone says my name, I stop and I look, I still get the reward. So having some kind of high value treat that'll help combat the, the intensity of the new experience for the dogs. Because every time you change experience or change environment for the dog, you have to, you have to kind of go back and revisit. So dog might become great here working, but if you take them to the tractor supply company or Rural King, you probably have to start over there again, a little bit over. What we're gonna be doing is giving the knowledge to program the brain. Once the brain knows, understands sit and lie down, that's great that they learn it here or they learn it at home. So it's in their brain to do it. What you have to do is wait them out when you go to a new environment to where it's no longer interesting or fun to try and explore. But then you, can, then you can say, okay, well, I'll start to lure you in position here, and maybe I'll do that three or four times in a brand new environment, and then the dog's like, oh, okay, now I do it in this environment as well. So the more environments that you challenge the dog in after they learn it in one, the more that they, can, the more that they will be proficient in every other environment. So if you teach a dog in a low-level environment at home, teach them all the way. So you can sit there and you can walk, you sit down, 
dog lies down, you can walk through the kitchen, walk to the bedroom, the dog stays there, and then you release the dog and the dog comes and gets the reward. And if you aren't giving any type of body language to that dog except for verbal commands, the dog understands that command very well. And then it's time to work it outside. So you're going to go to a higher level of stimulus and see if you can, see if you can bring it out of the dog out there. Because the dog already has it in its mind. It's already a learned behavior. Once the dog has a learned behavior down, you can offer them something and just stand there and they'll start doing sit down, stand up, they'll, you know, they'll roll over, whatever they've learned to do in the past that they got a reward for. You know, one thing I learned that uh, my new dog Lily learned, had was she, she learned to shake with her, with her foster parents. That was something I learned because I would sit there and i put a treat in front of her face just to see what she would do. And she would sit, stand up, come nose nudge my hand, sit again, nose nudge me, and then she would sit and then she would paw at me. So I knew that she knew shake because it was learned behavior. So she already brought it back up. She's like, okay, this, that, and the other. So if you want to know what a dog learns, you just hold treat in there and see what they end up doing. Some dogs will roll over for you. Some dogs will lay down. Some dogs will stand. But it's learned. And that's no different from a dog being aggressive. If, a dog is, if the environment presents a dog the same way, they will become aggressive. And so it's because this is a learned behavior. There's nothing about suppressing it as much as there is about getting the dog to work through it and have a different view on it. So the, the learned behavior is there. And if you start marking the behaviors that you want to see with aggression, then the dog's aggression slowly starts to just dissipate and say there's a, there's a better way to do it. Because if he learns aggression works, it's always going to work. If he learns that there's another way and there's another way that makes you feel better, aggression goes away. Because the dog wants to please you. That is their number one job is to please people. They always look to you before they look to their own kind. Studies have been shown time and again that if you have a two-dog household, they're not emotionally any better than if there was a one-dog household. So it's very important to, to make that distinction. Um, another thing that you'll want is obviously something to carry your treats around in. You can, you can grab like a little nail bag or whatever it is. Um, they sell treat pouches here, um, but you'll have to you'll put your treats in there. It's a lot easier. I always put mine on the left side. So if I'm right-handed, my treats go on the left side because the dog's on the left side. I always have my dominating hand free. Um, and when I reward a dog for being on my left side, I want them to look straight up at me as my hand goes down. If I reward on this side, the dog will always cross me when I'm walking, and I will trip over the dog. And the dog will always, every time you mark a behavior, will always cut you off. And you say, yes, that's good, and the dog will cut you off. And so you don't, wanna, you don't want the dog to always cut you off. If you mark a behavior, you want to say yes, and the dog should always immediately look up to you. And so it's always straight down, always straight down, not across, straight down. I'm saving lives here. I don't want you to, to, to run out in the street and just like, oh, <laughs> like dog, dog tricked me. Um, so uh, another thing that we'll be utilizing too as well, um, you know, prong collars. Uh, I'm not sure. They, I got some sitting up here. Prong collars, if you have a puller, you can use these guys. Uh, slip leads are good. Depending on what kind of dog that you have and how old they are, depends on really whether or not you should use one of these guys. I usually train on the slips. But I'll also be training a, a, a couple different methods as well. The, this, the reason why prongs are good if you have an older dog or are not experienced very much with walking dog is because it's a constricting collar, but only constricts a little bit. It's not a fully constricting collar as if you would have a slip lead. A slip lead or a, slip lead or a choke chain constricts all the way. And so that ends up becoming, that ends up becoming blocking the, the pathway of the dog's breathing. And that ends up becoming the the discipline part of walking on a lead. But the prong applies some pressure along the dog's neck, 
to let them know that, hey, the pressure was not good or didn't feel good. And we're not, we're not saying to, to sit there and do a, a leash pop with it. Again, it's if the dog runs off, the leash and the dog will correct itself and say, oh, I didn't feel good. As soon as they stop and they go, oh, I'm not going to do that again, and they, they give you the attention, that's when you mark the behaviors. You don't, you don't tell them no or anything. You don't do anything crazy with the leash. So when we actually start to walk, the dogs, if, we, if, you, if everyone uses a prong, it'll be taught the same way. If the dog starts to move too far ahead, you just pull up on the leash slightly. Uh, just use your wrist, and then you will mark the behavior of the dog if they look at you as you walk. So it's very important that when you, when you do walk the dog, you're, you're, you're marking where you want the dog to be at all times. So if you start to walk and the dog moves ahead of you, and when you're at home, you just stop. Just say, I'm not gonna, I'm not, we're not going to walk any further, but if the dog can stay in position with you. You can continuously reward that behavior and mark where you want the dog to be. That the dog has clear understanding of where you want them. Um, so that would be one thing to, to keep in mind as far as uh, tools go when it comes to a collar. Uh, otherwise, the dog, if the dog is constantly pulling on just a regular leash, as far as neck damage goes, it can, it can cause even more damage with a regular buckle collar. If you do, if you do a prong, that you're looking at maybe one or two corrections, the pressure is very light and limited when it comes to use of a prong. Um, another fun thing that we'll be having, uh, another thing that we'll actually be learning, we'll be, we'll be doing the loose leash walking, we'll be doing the down, we'll be doing the stay, we'll be doing the sit, we'll be doing the stay, we'll be doing place command, leave it, um, well, we, well, if we can get into it, which would be great, it's not going to be a big class. If we can get into it, we'll start working some sits at distance and some downs at distance. But to do that, the dogs have to have a clear understanding. To me, a sit is a sit when you don't have to give any other body language. A lot of times we'll sit there and I'll, I'll go see clients and they'll sit there and say, yeah, my dog knows sit. And so I'll go and I'll, I'll tell the dog to sit just standing there straight, blank, blank face to everything. I'll be like, sit. And the dog gives no no reaction and I'll ask the owners to tell me how they have the dog sit and they lean into the dog and the dog will sit. The dog's actually not registering what sit means at that moment. He's registering that I need to give in to pressure and that's what pressure is. So a dog will learn to avoid pressure with sit. So anytime that you utilize pressure to get a command all you're, all you're saying to the dog is the dog is trying to relieve the pressure and what is, and what is coming at them. So that if, you, if you lean over the dog the dog will sit. If you ask the dog to lay down, you can, put, you can put your hand on the dog or make the dog carry some weight and they'll lie down. It's not actually getting the dog to understand clear direction of what sit means. And that's why it's so important that when you lure the dog into position, the butt hitting the floor is followed by a mark and then the reward. So for me, it's always the, dog hits the dog's butt hits the floor, it's marked with yes, treat. At that, in that order, you always give it a second. You always want to make sure that you have uh, a good second before you, you actually initiate that reward. We'll also be learning the dog's name or the focus cue, which is a lot of fun because that's where really the most of the vocabulary um, that, you'll, that you'll do. That's actually what we'll be doing next week. We'll be, we'll be doing the focus. So that way we can ask the dog to do something. It's very important that we ask the dog to do something other than, uh-oh. <laughs> uh <laughs> but if you, if you can't ask the dog to do something, you, if you can't get the dog's attention, you can't ask it to do anything. So if you, if you, if you say the dog's name and they're just like, la -di -da, and you say sit, of course they're not going to pay attention. Same thing when, they, when we ask them to stay. 
if we don't have their attention, as soon as they, as soon as they look behind them and you're in front, as soon as they turn back around, they're getting up. There's no, there's no attention span there. So it's very important that, that we learn that, we learn now, we learn that vocabulary, and the dog learns that vocabulary as well. And we do that through the focus command. So all vocabulary will be learned through the focus command. They'll learn what no means. They'll learn what yes means. They'll they'll learn what the good reinforcer means. And the reason why we have a good reinforcer, or we say good job, that's a good girl or a good boy, is because we're saying that's great. Keep doing what you're doing, but the exercise is not over. And that's what allows us to chain behaviors together. So if I'm sitting here working and I know my dog knows sit, down, stay, I'm going to continue to work those behaviors until I feel the exercise is over. So if I ask the dog to sit and I, and I tell him to stay and then I ask the dog to come, dog comes, then I ask the dog to sit again, then I might mark the end of the completion of the behavior. I'll say yes and the behavior's over and then you can have some free time. So you start, we start to learn to chain behaviors together, but it is all done through the very basic foundation command of focus. Your focus is the foundation through the entire obedience course. And if you can at least get your dog's focus, then you've 90% of the way of teaching your dog to do anything that you want it to do. Because if you have their attention, you can, you can tell them no. They can learn your body language. And you can be like, nope, we're not going in that room. Let's go. And then they'll follow you on out. So that's important to teaching the boundaries for the dog. We'll also be doing coming when called. And we'll do some tricks at the end. So one of the fun things that we'll have through this course um, is that for, for me anyway, uh, I had lost Snickers, my first dog. Um, and he wasn't coming with me to training um, anyway uh, over the last couple of years because of his hip dysplasia. And he was not doing very well. Um, so I decided to let him go. Um, and so when I got Lily, she is a white German Shepherd. She will actually be going through the course as well with us. I'll be teaching her the same time, about the same time as you guys. She knows what down and sit and all that is right now. But I'll be proofing it with her and she'll be learning how to work around distractions. So I'll be utilizing her to kind of show you the different cues and things like that with her. Um, she's a super friendly dog, uh, very confident. Um, but she'll actually be getting to go through the course with us, which is kind of exciting for me because I've never brought a dog through the course and actually taught at the same time, I usually let them stay away or my dogs have been too old and it's just like painful to get them out and make the drive. So um, we'll be doing that uh, this time around because she just needs the, uh, the exposure and wants the exposure. So um, any questions about anything? No. So make sure that you guys have some treats, some tasty treats for the dog. Um, if you decide to use a prong collar, I, I recommend it. Um, I don't own one myself because, I, again, it's, it's one of those things for me. If I, if I learn to use a different tool and I'm comfortable, more comfortable with a different tool, then that's what I use. For her, for me, I'll be using a slip lead in class. It'll be just a basic kennel lead. That's what I'll be having for, for, for my dog. Um, the prong is, is great for uh, a user who's not very, uh, who's more of a novice in the type of training and, and, and allows you to make more mistakes with. Uh, so I would I always recommend to people that that don't take training as seriously to, to do a prong. Um, they they do well. Um, make sure your dog's on a leash, uh, some kind of bag to hold the treats in, that kind of thing. Anyone have no questions about anything that they've ever been curious about as far as training? No, no issues. No. I'm sure we'll have some when we start training. 
Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and hit me up. Whatever whatever questions that you have when we start training, especially if you're not understanding uh, one of the ways that we work a cue or something. Um, but the the main goal out of training is that you guys you guys take a foundation and you take that foundation, whether or not it's the language that you take from it, but more so it's the cause and effect type stuff that I want you to take back with you to teach your dog to, to have a, just a great life with you to where you can mold and shape the behaviors that you want to see at home. It's not just about the down and stay. That stuff's practice. It's not, it has nothing to do with, with that for the dog's life. What it really has to do is the language that you learn to communicate with your dog for the rest of its life. So the marking the behaviors, them understanding what no means, um, those two basic things are what really make a dog bond with you because those things are consistent. And the follow through and discipline is consistent. You're gonna have the, you're gonna have the best friend you, you wanted. You're gonna have that dog that bonds with you unrelentlessly. So it's gonna be, uh, it'd be one of those things that's like for me, I was like, man, I go, I don't know if I have it in me to take a year, a year old dog anymore after having a 13 year old, you know, and just dog just got up in the morning, went and got his food, drank his whole bowl of water, went back to his bed and lay down the rest of the day. You know, now I'm going from one dog from that spectrum all the way back down to a year old where I'm teaching this dog everything that I want to see and everything that I like, what's, what's okay to chew on, what's not okay to chew on. And so it's constantly visual. But I know within a week or two, it'll pay off because after the dog learns to adjust and is settling in just nicely, it'll, it'll, it's, it's already start, she's already started to bond with me. She slept with me all night the other night. You know, it's like we were at the dog park. First time we went to the dog park, she acted like I didn't exist. The next day I went to the dog park again. She came up to me and said hello quite a few times while she was playing. So it's like now I'm becoming more related to her experiences as, as, as time goes on. And um, it's, it's just an incredible thing. When you're able to follow through, that is the main thing. If you tell the dog no, make sure you go over there and make sure the dog mean, understands what no means. Um, so it's very important to mark those behaviors. Mark it when you see it right. Mark it when you see it no. And um, make sure that you're in those couple seconds window of if the dog messed up and the dog chooses something different, that you then tell the dog that they chose right. Always make sure, so if you, if you get frustrated with a sit and you're like, just sit, then it's, not, it's no longer fun anymore. So you gotta understand that those, those cue words and those words and all those things that we ask the dog to do should mean something kind of fun and positive. Um, because when they hear those things, they should know that, that there's something good coming their way, whether or not it's petting or pet and praise. So once a dog completely learns something, you can take them off the fancy treats or the high dollar treats, whether or not pepperoni or hot dog that you end up doing, and then slowly transition to kibble so it's not as high value. And every time they learn something different, you bring out the, the good stuff again and say, okay, this is what we're doing, but you slowly transition out of it. And eventually it just becomes all affection. Say, so, oh, you did it, and you feel good about it because you know, first time you actually have a dog lie down without treats, you're like, oh my God, I just did it. <laughs> you know, and then you, you're just excited about it. But don't take it for granted. The dog doesn't do things just because they absolutely want to. They, they do it because there's some kind of reward in there, whether or not they know that they're working in the entire time from the moment they get up to the time they get their food fed at night, they're working, then they understand that they're working towards something. But it's about chaining those activities together to make it one whole day of listening. So, any other questions? No, 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 good. Feel good about next week? I hope so. <laughs> I'm ready.